just to the east of, the, of Germany, you have a country of 38 million people. The unemployment rate is more or less 3%, which basically means that everybody has a job. And the economy has been progressing incredibly well. Poland is a true success story. Welcome to International Corner, the podcast that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Steve here, your favorite host speaking, and as you can hear, today is a special English-speaking episode. My aim is to bring you the best international experts in this podcast. This is why sometimes we will listen to non-French speakers on this topic as well. Well, today, I am delighted to welcome... Pavel Davicha. Pavel has worked on many markets in Europe and he is now the country manager for Poland at USAIN. He will share why Poland is a market with untapped potential for business and how to break into it. Please bear with us until the end as he is about to reveal two secrets you wish you knew before as a salesperson selling into any market. Hi, Powell. Thank you so much uh, for taking some time to come in here and uh, share with us your experience. Perhaps, can you start by introducing yourself in a few words and your responsibilities as the country manager for Poland? Yes. And thank you so much, Stefan, for having me here. I think we are going to have a kick-ass time. It's going to be awesome. Um, so, yes. Um, listen, my name is Pavel. I am, as my first name goes, Polish. And I am working at uh, USign, which is, for those that do not know, is an e-signature platform. I am working for opening uh, the Polish market, which is the third international market that we have decided to open after uh, Germany and Italy. So I am responsible to, in, in addition to pure sales, I am also responsible for coordinating all of the marketing activities, all of the PR activities, with other people within USAIN and also and also outside the company with the outside agencies that we work with. Great, thank you. And I remember when we first discussed before recording this episode, you mentioned that you had the desire to talk about a theme that I find extremely exciting, which is basically the reasons why Poland and other Eastern European markets have untapped potential to do business. And it's true that a lot of French companies, uh, whenever they seek to open new markets, they already think about the US, the UK, Spain, Italy, etc. But very few of them dare to open Eastern European ones. Can you perhaps share with us why you sign and you actually believe that Poland is a market worth breaking into? Mm-hmm. That's 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 an excellent question. It's actually the question that you sign, uh, and I think many other companies would like to ask themselves as well. And it goes to uh, just basically looking at the situation, looking from a sales perspective at the different markets, and making a decision. So, the logic, the way the logic goes, is that let's say you're as many people probably listening to this and watching this, you're a French startup. So you are going to open your first market is going to be France. You're going to probably use your investors, your VCs, your founders 
to land a few significant deals in the French market. And then there's a question what you're going to do. So many companies will probably look obviously at the US and the UK. And I'm not saying that uh, it's wrong thing to do. What I'm saying that one should always look at it from a perspective, which basically means that US is probably, it's a huge market, definitely the largest in the world, but it's also incredibly competitive one. And let's be honest here, majority of people working in the startups, they are working, they are offering a product that is probably offered by 5, 10, 15, 20 different companies. There's nothing wrong with that. Just to, just, it's important to know you will have competitors, whether it's on features, whether it's on price and so on. Company like Facebook on company ones, like Slack happens once every 10 years. And that's it. So the U.S. market is the most uh, competitive market in the world. They have the most qualified, the most well-trained uh, sales uh, people, sales force in the world. So let's put this on the side. So the next one is why don't we sell into the U.K.? And here the thing is, once again, I'm not saying it's a wrong decision. I'm saying that taking, uh, putting on the side all of the all of the cultural. Uh, things which we might get into later. But every company from the US will probably sell to the UK. It's the same language, it's Anglo-Saxon culture, and so on. So the competition that you're facing in the US, congrats, now you're going to face it in the UK as well. And then it's it, it's it's simple like that. So then we basically have Europe, right? And uh, the few the few countries that are, uh, I would say, that are true market potential are obviously the countries that you sign is into, which is Italy, which is Germany. And many companies uh, stop here. Let's do Italy, let's do Germany. And by Germany, most of the companies will do Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, which is the Dutch countries. And they stop over there. But just to the east of, the, of Germany, you have a country of 38 million people. You have a country that is a EU member since right now 18 years almost the unemployment rate is more or less three percent which basically means that everybody has a job and the economy has been progressing incredibly well for uh, not at least till we joined the eu but even before that poland is a true success story when it comes with the you know ex-soviet bloc eastern european country so there's the economy there are lots of talented individuals uh incredible companies that are leaders not only in their markets in poland but worldwide i will for example mention company like solaris which for people that do not know probably makes the public transportation buses that you use in paris that you use in probably not in London, but you probably use in Spain and so on, they are made in Poland. If you look at your electronic appliances, more often than not, they are once again made in Poland, not in China, in Poland. So there's definitely uh, there's definitely a market potential. And you sign as a company, looked at it and decided, once again, adding to the fact, there's not, not, not that much competition because many companies... They will stop in Germany, they will stop at Italy, and that's it when it comes to Europe. Maybe Spain and Portugal as well. So we basically decided there's real opportunity there. We have the know-how, we have the product, we are hungry to succeed. 
why don't we do it? And that's and that's how it how it started. 100% agree with you here, especially I think when we look at all these markets, it's because it's closer and even in terms of culture, those are the culture that we know the most. And obviously it became, or it has become, I would say, the obvious choice. How do you plan on opening the Polish market? Like what's your strategy here? So one of the things that I think differentiates us from some of the competitors in the market, we decided to put real effort in Poland and not treated just as whatever will come our way from the Polish market, we will basically deal with it. What, what, what do I mean by that? Um, our website is was translated in Polish language, which is not the case for many of our competitors, especially international ones. Companies that have way bigger budgets than us, they are way larger than us and still they do not have a website in Polish. So our website is in Polish. Our marketing materials are in Polish. Our product, the application and so on, is also in Polish. By that, we basically want to say to our prospects, our clients in Poland, Poland is really serious for us. We are really serious about, uh, about it, about opening the country, and we are willing to put the resources to make it happen. And I think... When people, when I speak to people uh, in Poland about it, to prospects and also to the to now clients, they really appreciate the fact because once again, people in Poland are used maybe not being seen as a third world country, but obviously not on the same level as you would see Germany or France. So when there is a company, international company, that really shows that they value Poland, they are putting in effort to. Enter, enter the market and get market share. Uh, that really speaks a lot, and uh, I'm getting the I'm getting the impression that our Polish prospects really, really appreciate uh, appreciate that. I actually have a question regarding that. For instance, when you go to the US to break into this this market, the fact that you are a foreign company can sometimes play against you. Is that something also that's the case for Poland? Like, do they care? You guys have been working on turning everything from the app, the website, the content in uh, Polish. So that's great. But when they really look at the fact, they must notice that the that you sign is actually a French company. Is it some kind of barrier, you think, or they don't care? What are your thoughts? That's that's an excellent question. I have never I have never met or never gotten the objection from the Polish uh, Polish prospects that us being a non-Polish company uh, is is an obstacle. On the contrary, there were some countries that I worked for and I uh, I reached to in my career when they were actually very open that not being a company native to a given country is a non-starter. They basically told me that, well, we, we prefer to give business to, uh, to our own companies, which is legitimate. What I'm saying is I, I never, I never had, uh, had uh, this thing uh, happen to Poland. What is important to, to understand is obviously Polish companies and Poland doesn't exist in a vacuum. So the example of the bus company that I mentioned before, there are incredibly amount of Polish companies that deal business Uh, with other countries, with the European Union, or even with the US, they are used to working with uh, with foreign partners. Um, and the last thing is, once again, as being a French company, we are part of the EU. 
So every Polish company knows that, well, as long as it's EU, there are exactly the same regulations, there are exactly the same laws when it comes to product quality, product standards entering the market. Right now, we have the GDPR, which is a large, which is a large part of, uh, of our value proposition. And once again, the same data protection laws that we are subject to in our home market in France, we are subject to in Poland. So Polish companies know that as long as they we an EU company, we are by default in accordance with with all of the data protection, data processing laws that uh, that apply to Poland. So it's definitely something that uh, they appreciate a lot, and it's definitely something that uh, that we make use of. And that's quite important to know that because if there's no such obstacle as those types that you can have when you really go outside of the EU, uh, the EU, then definitely Eastern European markets are to be considered here. And what is going to be the strategy here? Are you going to open an office there or will all the operations be based in France? How are you going to go about it? So, so right now, all of our operations not only for Poland, but for other countries, are based in, in, in France. We are always, I would say we are always open to looking at or opening the, uh, the office uh, in Poland. But I would think what's more important is the access to the talent. And here, fortunately, uh, we have COVID that changed the market dramatically in the last two years. So right now you have a lot of companies and Also, you have a lot of employees that are absolutely no problem working for remote. Many companies in Europe, startups, but also probably larger companies offer job positions that are listed as full remote. And I think that employees also learned in the last two years to appreciate that as well. You know, you're working from home, you can do laundry, you can go, go shopping on your lunch break and so on. Those are small things that probably people did not think uh, before the pandemic hit. But right now, I'm pretty sure that this is very much appreciated. So once again, if it makes a business sense, for example, if we will start targeting companies that really value or industry segment that really values uh, face-to-face uh, interaction to take meetings with them in person, we can look at it and we will definitely look at it. But as of right now, I don't think we'll have any problems getting the talent that we need related to Polish market, whether they will be in France. But if we have to do it full remote and hire somebody in Poland, then we will do it. No problem. Well, that's very important to consider. And for sure, COVID, I mean, the whole COVID situation, besides it being a pain in the ass, sorry for the uh, expression, it also allowed a lot of opportunities and now actually opening markets from your country base, it's way easier than it used to be. So definitely an opportunity there. Yes. And if I'm talking more about the way you approach Polish people, like how do you do prospection there, outreach? Uh, do you have specific channels that work more than what works in France, for instance? Yeah, so that's, that's another excellent question. So we are right now getting into the sales process, right? We are getting into the, the fun part. Exactly. Yes. So I would say there, there are different ways to look at it. So first of all, and this goes not only to Poland, but to many other countries, you always need to test. There will be countries, and I have my colleagues from other, from other teams focused on the Italian-German market, a certain channel works better than the others. 
but the but the same team for a different country basically says, well, no, that's that's not the case at all for us. What I would say is always to test. Having said that, I would say that uh, for Pollard, more or less all of the channels work fairly well because, once again, because of not so much competition when it comes to prospecting, when it comes to you know the startup sales uh, technique that we that we know or at least some of us know, they do not get as many phone calls, as many emails from potential vendors. So you always have a much higher chance of getting in touch with them. But what I meant to say is that you should basically try all of the approaches, which means that uh, you should try email, you should try a phone number. Social media didn't work so well for us. Polish people, people, Polish people try to keep, uh, except LinkedIn, of course. But when it comes to Twitter, Facebook, Polish people prefer to keep their professional life professional. Facebook is seen as something that you you share photos with friends and family, uh, and and that's it. But you should definitely have both the cold calling approach and and the email approach. And of course, then as if we get into the nitty gritty, it's all a matter of testing. And uh, well, we can spend two hours discussing this. Should your email be long? Should your email be short? Should your email be sent at the given time of the day, and so on. And the answer to that is. It's boring. Unfortunately, it's basically means it all depends. It's it's always the best to just try it. Run a sample copy always of 100 contacts or 100 companies, see the results, and then decide whether to keep doing it the same way or doing differently. Do you have some hints already? Because obviously you've been working on it for a few months now. Like, Would you say also that you've I don't know, discovered a channel that works a little bit more or a little differently than what we do in France? For instance, do you feel that uh, Polish actually respond well to cold call calling? Yes. The short answer is yes. Long answer is, and that basically goes to how I do sales how I, I discover to do sales. Every single time you want somebody, you want an action from someone, you should always call. You should never do it over email. There are a lot of disadvantages to this approach of doing it over email. People can just delete it. People can forget about it. It gives them the time to craft you very nice response saying that, well, thanks, but no thanks. We are fine. And it's always difficult to it's always difficult to come back from that. Whereas if you have somebody on the phone, if you have somebody personally, you can ask questions, you have a real exchange, you can listen to things like the tone of voice, what what they're they saying, how how long they take to say it, and so on. And those are all the invaluable information that you are never going to get over email. So uh, email is fine whether you want to thank somebody or send some sort of a materials. Hint here, never send a proposal over email. Please never do. But other than that is if you really want to have a serious conversation with, with a prospect, with your counterpart, always, always phone. Do current solutions that we're using in France, like Lucia or Casper, like do those solutions work to get the phone numbers from also Polish people? Or do you do you have like other tools, you know, in mind to, to discover that? They they work to a certain degree. So there are certain solutions that will pull the number. It's difficult to generalize. 
there's always uh, an American solutions, which actually they were trying to sell me right now. I think it's a data.com or something like this. It's a gigantic American database. So once again, uh, works super well for America, doesn't work well at all for Europe, also because the European countries are so fragmented. But for that, there's a tip. So if somebody made it to, to this long in the podcast, here's the real gold. <laughs> if you didn't know that, if you send an invite over LinkedIn to someone and they accept and they have a phone number in their profile, you see that phone number. You see that phone number? What do you mean? Like without using Lucia or, uh, or uh, this kind of solutions? Yes. If, if, they, if, they accept it, if they accepted your LinkedIn invite and they put phone number in their LinkedIn profile, you now see that phone number as long as they are your first connection, which basically people that you're connected to. Oh, okay. Is that like an update, I guess, like from LinkedIn? I haven't even noticed it myself. No, it's been there years ago. It almost nobody, it's almost nobody knows about it. It's exactly the same thing as on the desktop. You cannot send a LinkedIn voice message, but for some reason on the mobile app, you can. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. Indeed. Like that's a, a good tip. You're still looking at the best way, right? Like to grab as many phone numbers as, as possible. And what you're saying is that basically, yes, those Lucia and Casper solutions, they work, but up till a certain extent. So you do have to find other ways to find them. Yes, that's true. Here, here you are talking about direct dials, right? There's always the typical approach, which is whole other school of thought, basically saying, find a company, find their website, find their phone number to the headquarters, call the reception desk, ask to be put through. And once again, I did it for the UK. You are never going to succeed. I did it in Poland. Seven out of 10, they are going to patch you through. Wow. Okay, nice. So we, I think we, we heard it. The cold calling is the right approach there. <laughs> yes. I was wondering something. Do Polish people or can Polish people buy from English speaking companies or do they have to be specifically talking to people, you know, who speaks Polish? Yes. So that's, that's, that's a very good question. My, my experience is limited since, well, I'm Polish. I would say that probably the, the typical rule applies. If you're selling a technical solution, if you're dealing frequently with a tech teams, selling something over an API, for example, it's probably going to be fine to do it in English. Since the developers speak English, the documentation that they, the tech documentation that they see every day is in English. So there shouldn't be a problem there. If, if, for example, you will be doing something, you know, really, really, really low engagement, one call close, low price point, um, selling to very, very small companies, uh, heavy self-serve model, it's probably going to be tougher, to tougher sell. Okay, so there are considerations then when you want to open the Polish market, it's probably best to do it at least with some people, part of your team that are actual Polish people, right? Yes, that's, I mean, that, all, that always helps for no matter what market, yeah. obviously. Of course, noted. And obviously, you've sold to several European markets. Uh, you've covered it a little bit at the beginning, but you also had your, your way, you know, into the UK market and I think the Scandinavian countries. Uh, what are some cultural differences about doing business in Poland that are really critical to know for anyone wishing to enter this market? So that's once again, once an excellent question. And actually, I would say Polish people are probably very similar to French people and German people, which means they are very direct. It's very easy to get a yes or no from them. 
The challenge here is that, first of all, they are very price sensitive. That doesn't mean that they are not going to buy an expensive solution. That means that uh, what it means is that they will default to talking about price. So, for example, and and you need to find a way to counter that. So, for example, I will have a, a, a prospect five minutes into the first call, basically telling me, Pavel, how much does it cost? We've been speaking for five minutes. I do not know your project well enough. I do not know much about your company, how it's going to help you and so on. And you already want to speak about price. And once again, it's 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 not their fault. It's just basically the way that they default to. So there needs to be a way to to address that objection and then just put it aside. Um, of course, if you're price competitive in Poland, it's it's even better. But if you're not, well, just 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 expect this question. And the other thing would be that since they are so direct, I, I found that the Polish people are not very receptive to the whole storytelling approach. So, you know, there's the big thing about sales right now, mostly influenced by the American market, is you need to tell a story. You need to be a storyteller. You need to make them dream. And once again, it's not a bad approach. It works with some, but I'm I'm thinking that it works mostly for the U.S. market. And when it comes to Europe and especially Poland, they are really in the what benefits do I get? What functional how functionalities translate to the value for my company? Imagining a brighter future is nice, but it's not going to get you all the way in Poland. Okay. They they are more into concrete insights, and I think it goes to what you just said earlier, they are very direct. So I guess it's also something that we can understand, right? That they want you to go straight to the point and talk about pricing, talk about how this can benefit them for their context specifically. Yes, precisely. Well, I mean, very exciting, everything. I think that this market has definitely an untapped potential to cover. Now, if that's okay with you, Pavel, this is the time to go to the Oops, My Bad section. Whoops. My bad. Yes, let's do this. <laughs> so for those who just joined us and who don't know about this, so this is basically a few minutes for the guest at the end of each episode to share one setback or one failure that has occurred during uh, the mission of opening a specific market or opening, generally speaking, different market. So Pavel, this is your turn. Can you perhaps share with us like either during that experience or some previous one if you had any important setbacks or any failure that you can share so that our listeners can learn from it and obviously not do the same? Yes, definitely. It's an excellent question. And since we are almost 30 minutes in the podcast, this is even going to be a better one than the LinkedIn tip. Basically, is and this is something that I, I started as many others in sales at the beginning, and I did it. But long story short is people think that what they always say is people need to like you to buy from you. Salespeople, based on that, have a desire, innate desire to be liked. The moment that they interact, any step of the process that they interact with another, with another counterparty, a prospect, and so on. And the thing that really, really was a game changer and that helped me a lot was, first of all, that quote is wrong. It's actually wrong. It's what their currency said is directly opposite. Basically, people don't buy from the people they do not like, which basically means, which is a huge difference. People don't need to like you. They just need not to hate you. 
which is huge difference. And what I mean by that is whatever sales methodology you have, band, medic, medpick, whatever, don't be afraid to, if you feel something, if something doesn't add up to you uh, with what the prospect is saying, ask them the question. I don't, I don't understand. This is strange to me. Do not avoid asking them the question just because you are thinking, well, you know, if I, if I throw them a curveball, they might get sad or they might get angry. They are not going to buy from me. Trust me on that. If you ask them that question, they are probably going to remember you as the only salesperson that they ever spoke to that matters because all of the other people that they spoke to never caught what actually they were saying and what they were doing never actually cared about them. And you did because something doesn't sound right. And you do not care for be liked. You basically care to bring the most value to the most value to your prospect and to your future client, which basically makes you question immediately. Does the decision-making process adapt to when you want the solution? Are all of your objections valid? Some of the objections are valid. Some of them are incredibly basically useless uh, and so on. You might, the prospect might have an idea of the process that is not at all what it, what would happen in real life or when they are positioned. And once again, you need to know as a salesperson and you need to have, I think, like personal courage to ask them those questions. And once again, I guarantee you at the end of the day, the prospect will be incredibly happy, incredibly grateful that you did that. And for you, it's going to give you priceless information whether this is an opportunity that will close for a nice amount a month, three months from now, or whether it's just a waste of time. And you're going to get that no, not now, but three months from now, after you spend endless hours on preparation and, and presentation and so on, just because you didn't ask the right questions. I think I love that quote. People do not buy from people they do not like. That's a, that's, that's a good take on the usual people buy from people. That's, that's true that everyone is saying it. I'm loving that. <laughs> is that something that you learned very early on in your career? Actually, no, not at all. I didn't learn early on. I just basically went out. I saw a lot of webinars, read a lot of books. A lot of those books were exactly the same. They were all saying the same thing. People buy from the people they, don't, they like. I tried to be liked. I didn't ask the tough questions. And then obviously my pipeline suffered and my forecasting ability suffered. And then one, one day I basically found an article. Uh, I don't remember where it was right now, probably on LinkedIn, where I found the article that basically say, well, by the way, salespeople, that quote is wrong. It's, it's the opposite way around it, which actually is a huge, huge difference with how you, how you interact with your prospects. And that opened the whole new world for me. Oh, I bet. I bet. But in any case, you said something very, very important, which is asking the right and the tough questions. Definitely something to keep in mind for any salesperson at any stage in their career or within an organization. So thank you a lot, Pavel, for this great conversation. We learned a lot on the Polish market. Thank you so much, Stefan, for having me. Cheers. Have a good one. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to not miss the next ones. Feel free to connect as well with me on LinkedIn, Tiffany Leroux, if you have any feedback to share. See you soon.